psychiatrist got a card from a patient. Having a great time, he said as he was on his vacation. I wish you were here to tell me why. Our world desires to tell you how to live. And it claims to know best. But the world is not Jesus. The lesson is called the heart. The first point is intent. Second is deceptive. And third is pure. I remember going to the doctor's office for many checkups as a kid growing up. And a typical thing that the doctor used was, or nurse, was the stethoscope. And I always remember this metallic thing he had, and he would blow on it. He was warming it up because as he touched my skin, he didn't want it to be cold. And in that time, he was looking for something, the heart. He wanted to hear, among other things, how my heart was doing. In court, the intent of the heart can matter when it comes to the law. Joshua chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Then all the people of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, and the congregation assembled as one man. I'm in Judges. Excuse me. Joshua chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Dealing with the cities of refuge. Joshua 20, 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. Murder, that is murder without intent, has a safe harbor. And that safe harbor was the city of refuge. It was a safe harbor from those who in the moment were so angry that they might do something to avenge those who might have died. It was an accident. It was without intent. But if intent was to murder, that means you have premeditated your heart to hurting somebody. That was a death penalty. The heart that is the reason matters. So as a doctor listens to the heart, a jury listens to witnesses, so God listens to our inner motives. How many have prayed to God, seriously, that they investigate your heart? How many here have prayed seriously to God that he will investigate your inner motives? Now, we know he can look anytime he wants to. That is, to search my motives and search my intent. Does that scare you? All right, I got some honest answers. Does that scare you? To ask God to search your heart. King David did. And we know he had some reasons to be fearful. 
But according to Psalm 139, he said this, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. King David wanted God to investigate him. He wanted God to accuse him when necessary. He wanted God to teach him. To help him grow, as Bill brought up in the class this morning. That need to grow is so important. No matter what stage you are in life as a follower of God. And the purpose, I think David is saying, is I want to lead a better life for you, Heavenly Father. I want to walk with you, Heavenly Father. Drive out all that stuff that's in my heart and motives and inner being that does not benefit you and teach me and replace it with a good intent. How many of you are willing to pray that prayer? Does it sound easy? The second point in the heart is deceptive. No one can deceive God. No one of us. He knows the intent of every person, though we might not. That is without close observation. And then again, we've got to be cautious because what excuse do we have? Our goal is to help people grow and to be a part of that example. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45, that, hey, uh, observation in, a, in growth of a person is evident. As in tree and its fruit, Luke chapter 6, 43 through 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from themselves, thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaks. So we do have a, a way to check the person's heart. But we are in no way not guilty of the same offense. So we must be cautious in judging others. And let God search the motives. And as he does so, work it out to help the person or people grow. Now, in one sense, the world is one of those bad trees with bad fruits. I hope you can agree with me. The world, from Satan's point of view, is built on 
lies and deception. How often have we believed his lies about a person, a people, a group, or ourselves, for that matter? These are the lies of Satan. This is our war. This fly is really bothering me, and I'm going to say that fly is from Satan, jokingly. John 8, 44, Jesus says, Satan is the father of lies. There's five things that Jesus did not say. If you checked out my Facebook lately, you might have noticed I put out a share thing that somebody shared with me, and, and it's this example here. Five things that Jesus did not say. The first one is this. Follow your heart. Follow your desires. Follow what makes what you want to do. Follow your heart. Jesus never said that. In fact, quite a few times he said, follow me. I don't know where my heart comes into that unless I'm actually following him. Matthew 10, 38. Another thing the world likes to say is, be true to yourself. I think there's a song that goes with that. Be true to yourself. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, be my disciple. If you are my disciple, you must deny yourself. Well, this is not working out very well, is it? Who are you going to believe? Another point Believe in yourself. We get that a lot from the psychology from the 60s and all that. Believe in yourself. Become a better person. Have a positive outlook. Da, 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 da. Jesus said, believe in me. John 17, 20. And this one's a good one. Live your truth. That is popular, isn't it? Live your truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He did not say live your truth. And of course, the one that we all can probably say that we've spoken of or thought of quite a few times, as long as you're happy. I am happy. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? There's an ancient medical principle. I don't know how ancient it is, but it's ancient nonetheless. The dose makes the poison. The dose makes the poison. The idea is this. If you give somebody some certain medicine that's supposed to be helpful, too little won't help, right? Too much will kill a person. The dose makes the poison. You see, the world doses in poison amounts. The world doses 
in poison amounts. It's deceptive. And it affects our heart. But it's God who knows the cure. God is the one who can give the cure. Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God knows the cure. Do you want to take the world's doses or God's cure? The third point is pure. Mark Twain gave a speech, and his speech was dealing with honesty. And he started off the speech saying this. As a little boy, I loved watermelon. And I saw a cart on the road that was full of watermelon. And I went up to that cart, and I grabbed one of those watermelons. And I ran off and went right behind the bush. I bit into that watermelon, and I had this odd sensation that came over me. So I went back to the watermelon cart and picked the watermelon that was ripe. That sounds like Mark Twain, doesn't it? He's good at stories. But a spiritually pure heart is a precious commodity. It is a heart that is honest. It is a heart that has right motives. It seeks the way of God and only Him. I don't know anyone who comes to Him homogenous in their spiritual purity. What do I mean? There's nobody here that's going to come to Him initially without sin. We're all sinners. And I think that's the purpose of God's Word. It's like that strainer. Its intent is to strain worldly impurities away from our life. Its purpose is not to say, keep the bad stuff. Its purpose is to strain your heart, your motives, your ways, how you follow God, how you live for Him, how you walk with Him. So we want a pure heart that is filled with love, a godly love. And if we strain all that wickedness away and we're planting in us what God wants. I walked in the class this morning and I overheard the conversation already. How can and it went, in my mind, something like, it takes time and effort and intent to be different than what you were. And the attributing factor 
of course, would be God and His Word. And how much you're willing to put in in desiring to change. Search me, O oh God. Try me. How many here, though who may not have been willing to pray that prayer like David, would be willing to go forth today and pray that prayer? Help me change my heart. So, we use God's strainer. And we come to God with a pure heart. I don't mean sinless. But I do mean a heart with the right motives. And we need to treat others with a pure heart too. Because we got to recognize... It's a challenge for all of us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, and we'll close on this. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a, what? Pure heart. That's a heart that has the strainer of God's word working on them. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And that's the strainer in your life if you're using it. The lesson is called the heart. And the points are intent, deceptive, and pure. If there's anyone today who has any prayer requests or otherwise... On this glorious Lord's Day, please come forward now as together we stand.